Hello friends, in a moment you'll get the advertised edition of the Youthscape podcast, uh, but first, as there have been some breaking developments since we recorded the uh, this week's podcast, Rachel and I are here to do a little bit of reflection on that, mm. because the podcast that you're going to hear yes. is it's now a, a bit out of date. <laughs> no. So basically, we I did this interview with Ali before the news hit that Soul Survivor in 2019 is going to be coming to an end. And so although we speak about Soul Survivor and we talk about stuff, obviously we don't talk about that at all because that was not common knowledge. So the hope is, Martin, that very soon we're going to be able to bring to you an interview with Mike, just finding out a little bit more about that. But we just wanted to kind of preempt that. So we're interrupting your podcast listening to tell you that we will be talking about that, but we don't talk about it today. But we should talk about it a little bit now. Oh, well, let's do that now. I think we should a little bit. How do you feel about it? Well, I I said how I feel about it. I feel um I feel I feel sad. Yeah. Part of the reason I feel sad is because my own kids are just about to reach Soul Survivor age. You're just gearing them up for it. So aren't I was you? just getting yeah. ready. Um, but and I also feel um you know sad on a, on a wider level because mm. i know in in the sense in the whole of the youth ministry community will feel this very yes, deeply yes. and will feel oh, oh i feel a bit uncertain now yes. gosh what does that mean because yes. it is the it has become central a central pillar it's a pilgrimage isn't it yeah, yeah absolutely exactly. um but i also uh, you know as i've said i feel really grateful for mm. what's happened over the last 25 26 years absolutely incredible it is the um, the first and foremost place that um, young people have become Christians mm. in the UK over mm. the last, like, I mean, you literally, you walk around a youth group and you say, how did you become a Christian? And they've yeah. all got some sort of yeah. soul survivor story in there somewhere. I mean, not, not every youth group, but certainly in the charismatic evangelical mm. wing. Um, that's true. Uh, I looked down the list of uh, numbers of young people that had come to faith uh, at Soul Survivor. Do you know, in 2007... 2,400 teenagers wow. Um, wow. came forward and said, I'd like to become a Christian. Now, even if you, you sort of say, look, loads of those guys were just in the, caught up in the moment, some of them will be back for the third mm. time, you know, and all that sort of thing. Still, where else did you mm. see hundreds and hundreds of young people making this heartfelt response to Jesus? And it, and it has happened year after year yeah. after year. Um, so, you know, you feel a mix of sadness and gratitude, and also, I'll let you speak in a minute, because I cover everything. <laughs> That's fine. I'm just like, you've got, let it out, Martin. Oh, I've been, yeah. been thinking about this quite a lot. Yes, I know. But also, um, uh, you know, there's this sense that they've actually closed it while it's still hugely successful. They're closing it as they've moved to a new venue. Everything is actually going well. Mm, there's no yeah. financial crisis. No, no. There's no sense of decline in numbers. No. I think the numbers are pretty constant, actually. Yeah. Um, but they feel like God has said very clearly to them, to the trustees, leadership team, um, it's time to stop. Mm. And so, what do you know? They actually have. It's incredible. And that is it? not what we do in the Christian world. No. And we want to talk to, to Mike and, and hear his heart behind all this. Because as you say, we are so good in the Christian world at, at beginning things well. We're not good at ending things well. And actually, I think we want to hear from him. How has he heard God on this? And, and what mm. does it take to do it? Because I think this is going to be so powerful for us mm. to hear. And also, we need to grieve it. I was with a load of youth workers yesterday up at Cliff College, um, up in the north. <laughs> That's all I can say. Up in the north. I got in the car. Went up the M1 a very long way. And a number of them said to me, like, it feels like a bereavement. Am I allowed to grieve? And I said, yeah, of course you are. Because as you said, it's not just a story of the young people that we take, but so many youth workers are youth workers because God called them at Soul Survivor. Mm. And we have a whole generation who 
Yeah, the Holy Spirit is at work everywhere. But for so many teenagers, they didn't come from churches where they saw it so clearly taught to them. This is the third person of the Trinity and he wants mm. to be in your life. And, mm. and he is involved in like mending the mess and, and getting real with you and all the stuff that you feel. So I think we do need to grieve this and we do need to kind of say, Lord, we're mm. open to whatever you have next, mm. you know, whatever the future is. Soul Survival was definitely for a season and they've stewarded that so faithfully and we are so grateful to Ali and Andy and, and Mike and the whole um, Souls of a Family but yeah we want to talk about this a bit more don't we so mm. we will lovely listeners we will um, hand over a whole podcast to this and it might be an extra special one that is sort of chucked in there as well but this is a lovely interview that I did with Ali and, and we talk about all kinds of things so as you're processing Soul Survivor here's a fantastic little interview for you and, and a bit more witty banter from us first as well. Like that, that'll be really, really random for them. Because we, oh, yeah. we, okay. we won't just kick We're into going, the interview. And you're about to hear us. They'll be... They'll be um, they'll you're be, about to hear us in the past. Us like, again. Us didn't know. Sounds like was ending. We were so full of we hope. We were so full of hope. And this is what happened. The Youthscape Podcast. Youthscape Podcast. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Youthscape podcast Uh, with me, uh, Martin Saunders, and the the general interference. (laughs) That is Rachel Gardner. Uh, Rachel Gardner there, just in the background. Well, we thought we'd start um, this podcast by talking about... Lambeth Palace. Oh yes, let's do that. Let's let's. We normally leave stuff to the end, don't yes. we? But we're really excited about this. So on the sixth of July, Friday the sixth of July, we are holding a youthscape garden party at Lambeth Palace that anybody can come to from two till five. Um, you could just rock up on the door and pay your fiver and come in and have loads of fun with us. And the reason we're doing it, it's the 25th anniversary of Youthscape. So it's yeah. a really exciting year for us. And we would love you to come and just hang out with us and have fun and drink some Pims. Are we drinking Pims? I don't know if there's Pims. Is, Is there Pims? Pims? Apparently there's now Pims. There's now Pims. Producer Rachel has if just I made that it, decision. It, then, yeah. it, then it's there. Do you know that, uh, I mean, I feel like she's the producer of all things. She is. Because so, producer Rachel is also the producer of I mean, the Lambeth Garden it, Party. She runs Youthscape. She really. does, really. Let's face it. Um, but the exciting thing is... Even more exciting. We, there is going to be croquet, and we've got a Youthscape team, <laughs> and we really want to like have some other teams that we play against. To play against. <gasps> so you could register your team. You see four people. Yes. Uh, and you have to go to youthscape.co.uk slash Lambeth, where you'll be able to register your croquet team. This is one of the oddest... Things we've ever I think it's we've ever fabulous. done. I, I think mean, it's going to be great very weird. Fun. I think it's going to be wild and rebellious and fierce and quite kind of competitive in a kind of we love each other but want to win kind of way. Yeah, and we're all armed with hammers. And we've been asked to armed with hammers. We are. We are armed with hammers. You're right. We've been asked to say specifically when you register, there will be official croquet rules. Youthscape croquet rules. Youthscape croquet rules, which will not like bias us, but it just means that we're all playing to the same rules. Because there are different rules. Well, it's like, it's like headers and volleys. Everyone plays by different rules. Like whaties and whaties? You wouldn't know about that. No, Don't I worry. Don't worry. But um, like yes, you can, you, can, <laughs> you can register your team. And we'll play by the same rules. And then we'll all play by the same rules. So on the 6th of July, 2 till 5, Lambeth Palace, which is in London. Oh, it's going to be so cool. It's where the Archbishop lives, isn't it? And it will Actually be gloriously hot oh. and sunshiny. It'll be the day of the year. Yes. Even, it'll even supersede the uh, royal wedding. It will. And, uh, and you can be there. Oh, 
oh please come it'll be really cool we'll celebrate 25th anniversary and because also we we just love youth workers don't we we're just all about youth workers so please come we'd love to see you there also I might have to bring my little boy with me oh again yeah because (laughs) because that happened should we tell that story yes it's a gorgeous story so we ran a youth bar so the Archbishop of Canterbury uh, Justin Welby is the patron of Youthscape and so we do occasionally do a little event with him and we took a group of about 10 12 young people up to do a bible study with him and by the way it was i don't think we've ever talked about this but it Mm. was amazing Mm. he was incredible with them incredible at just leading them through this uh bible study um and uh and he just responded beautifully to their questions uh he was absolutely wonderful he's a great youth worker all loved him he's a great youth worker um, but um, I had a childcare crisis on the day mm. and so had to bring my then three-year-old Zachary with me. Which I love, by the way, that as a dad, you bring your son. I think that's brilliant. Oh, that's thanks for great. affirming that. But oh, it, 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 I'll be honest, it was because the uh, childcare fell through. So I uh, so I brought him up. We had a lovely time. He had a little Paw Patrol comic and he did his stickers in the corner. Um, and, uh, and, and Justin Welby tried to talk to him quite a few times. And, and Zachary absolutely froze up, couldn't, couldn't think of anything to say. And then, do you know what though? They wrote letters to each other afterwards. No. Zachary and Archbishop Justin wrote each other little letters. And, um, and, and Zachary's got this little letter, I'm sure we'll frame it at some yeah. point, uh, from, from, uh, from Justin, handwritten, the most beautiful little letter. But the problem is now, Zachary thinks he's mates with Justin Welby. Oh. He tells people all the time. I think Justin thinks he's mates with him. Yeah, so but I he's now fine. But the problem is he asks me about once a week. Oh, can when I, can we can go can and we see go Justin? And see my friend. When can we go and see Justin again? So oh. maybe this is the opportunity. Maybe but I'll bring him. Just to add another archbishop story in there because the previous archbishop um the lovely story about him is that his children were at school and hadn't really told their friends that their dad is the Archbishop of Canterbury, but invited school friends back. And, um, and so the school friends, the way they recognised the, the Archbishop is that he's the guy that does the hoovering at home. Aww. So how beautiful, isn't it? Like there's, there's, a, there's a kind of a legacy here, isn't there, of Archbishops to kind of roll their sleeves up and just do life beautifully. So how amazing. So please come to this place. The gardens are gorgeous. We would love to see you there. Yeah. Right. What are we talking about today? Well, I um, popped over to Watford and caught up with Ali Martin, the soul survivor, and beautifully met her in her home. So halfway through, you hear something hilarious, very domestic that happens. But I started by chatting with Ali just about what it's like to be part of the team, the leadership team that puts on the festival every year that many of us are kind of connect with and go to and take. Oh, I mean, to. this is this is a massive huge, thing it? in it's youth huge. ministry. Thirty thousand young people a year yeah. go to this in Scotland and in three, like, two locations in in England. Um, and I also asked her about the church as well because obviously what we see in the summer festival, there's also a church, Soul Skyver, that runs throughout the year. So I just asked her about the kind of the connection between the two, and it was just really interesting what she said. The Youthscape Podcast. So, uh, good morning everybody listening to our podcast. I'm sat in a very beautiful little lounge in sunny Watford with my dear friend, Ali Martin. <laughs> and in fact, actually we're both sat on the same sofa so that you can be recorded. So. Yes. I'm just stroking your arm now Hello. as we speak. It's lovely. <laughs> so, Ali, you yeah. are one of the pastors of the Church Soul Survivor, yeah. but you're also on the leadership of the Festival Soul Survivor. And it yeah. could be that actually folks 
have seen you in your beautiful wellies, <laughs> stood on the stage at Soul Tower Festivals, yeah. preaching, doing brilliant things. But that's not what you're doing most of the time, is it? The rest of the year, yeah. you're not stood in wellies <laughs> on a massive stage. Thankfully. I mean, it's a lovely way to spend the <laughs> summer, but I don't think I could be there 12 months of the year. No, what's amazing is the team of us that run the festivals and that stand on that stage together, we then get to come home and together just keep doing it but in our local church um so yeah about half of my time is spent local church um just helping kind of i suppose to do with one of my I, it's weird i've been there for a long time and so a lot of it is about are we who god has called us to be that's kind of like my soft job title is mm. i'm oh, there yeah. to kind of just keep us like is that they yeah. call me the values queen. I don't oh, know. Yeah, that's... Is that is that actually written? Mike no. actually type that down no. somewhere. Please no. tell me that. Oh. <laughs> we should, but no. Um, and just I and we were we've got a team of us, and we just work together mm. to try and um, kind of pastor and lead this amazing church family that God's given us, as well as then uh, we I, uh, weirdly you know those festivals in the summer there is a fair amount of work that happens the rest of the year so in terms of getting together to decide on programme and speakers and team leaders and that sort of thing and, and the behind the scenes leadership of that so, so there's a lot going on and you're a mummy of two little yes, ones as yes well. so I'm well, part time in all of that time. stuff oh yeah. goodness yeah. that's incredible so songs five with the church then mm-hmm. tell us a little bit about the church so people yeah. might be thinking that, that every Sunday it looks very similar to the festival I mean is that yeah. is that true is it a youth church or? no Tell us a bit about the okay, church. Okay, so the, the church and the, and the festival started at the same time, um, back in 93. And the idea was when, when the festivals were started, is Mike, who runs them and heads that up, mm. was saying, like, this has got to make sense in real life. We mm. can't just do it once a year. We want to see, do the, the things that we're saying from that stage, are they actually holding true the rest of the year? So he started, at the time, a church that did have an emphasis on young people. Um, and it really, it was born out of Mike doing youth work and and seeing that the youth that were coming to know God just weren't able to find themselves comfortable in Mm. a normal church you know and so he just started doing youth work and you know cafes um, and then then out of that they would also do these little gatherings on a Sunday but they weren't saying that to the young people they and then the young people eventually were like we've heard that you guys get together on a Sunday as well and the feeling was Let's do this in a non-churchy way. Let's think about how we can make this feel. So the setup was the same as the cafe. The decor was the same as the cafe. They didn't meet in a church building. They met in a in a wherever they could meet, really school hall, you know, hotel lobby, whatever. Um, and it kind of has gone from there. But that was twenty five years wow, ago. Wow. And so the young people that joined then, obviously, they went on and you know got married. Some of them had children. We started having a kids work. And now we really are a church for the whole family. I think it's still true to say that the heart, our hearts are always for young people. Um, and, you know, we love the young people that God's given us and that's growing, which is wonderful. But really now we have over 150 kids in our kids' wow. work and we've got people right through into yes. their 80s. You yes. Know. Um, but I think also in doing what we do in the summer... Youth work is never far from our hearts and from our thinking. Absolutely, and our practice. And I know, I, I mean, as a youth worker who for many, many years has brought young people to Soul Survivor, we are so 
We are so grateful for the space that, that Soul Survivor of the Festival has given so many of us to kind of have those first conversations with young people, mm-hmm. then sort of taking that decision to own Christ themselves. So, oh, thank yeah. you so much. I can, mean, you, can I, I yes, just realised I didn't yes. actually answer your question oh, when what you said, in what ways are they similar? You know, like, <laughs> oh, right. are they very different? And I suppose one thing to say is because we're the same people, obviously there's, a, you know. Yes. And I suppose true. there's a couple of things that that we value that you'll see come across in both so one of them for example being relationship so we're going to go on a journey together we're going to really prioritize so at church that looks like we eat a lot together we make room for coffee and tea and anything else we've got a bar in our church you know there's mm. that kind of thing and it's the same with the festivals that for us the cafes for those that are listeners that have been to our festivals the cafes the sports the cinema all of those places they are as important to us as the big venue and we don't say that the holy stuff happens in the main meeting and then you know over there we'll do it's as important and we hear as many stories of people having wonderful conversations in the cafe but even that it's like come on a journey with us i think that's why we we actually get a lot of non-christians coming to our event is because it's like you can just come and be part of the family at whatever level you want so i think that relationship thing you see in both i hope i think also this thing of we're not going to take ourselves seriously but we are going to take god very seriously and what that means is the pressure wonderfully as leaders that means the pressure is not on us um and but we're going to make space for god to do whatever he wants to do and those values you see in mm-hmm. both the priority of, of of just giving god space to move by his holy spirit however he wants to you'll see that in both the priority of intimate worship mm-hmm. you'll see that you know that's who we are that we we give a lot of time to that um and we're aware with the young people at the festivals that you know there's sometimes we need to go at a pace that they can journey with you know mm-hmm. um and but yeah you'll see the priority of intimate worship in both that's awesome and I suppose I mean it's so good I think for us to hear some of that inside thinking that inside track with what with the the values because it does it absolutely does come across and it's so beautiful to hear it articulated I suppose the other thing that Soul Spider for right from the beginning has really um so while Ali puts her Tesco delivery away yeah um let's just chat about that because she says something really really amazing which kind of because we know them we know this is who they are but to hear it named so she says that what happens in the cafes and the sports arena and in people's you know, tents is as significant to them as leaders as what god is doing in the main sessions and i think that's just really worth talking mm, about actually for mm, a bit. yeah yeah i mean i i think the um it's easy to be cynical isn't it it's easy to be cynical about all sorts of things. And it is easy to be cynical about Soul Survivor because it's big. Yeah. And so naturally our hearts are, it can become a little bit hardened towards things that are big. Mm-hmm. And of course there are cracks and flaws in Soul Survivor like there are in everything and all of us. Um, but I genuinely believe in the integrity of those absolutely. leaders and their absolutely. organization. And I think, I think it absolutely makes sense that they are, they're still on some level making it up as they go along. They're still on some level just saying, God, just what do you want to do? Mm. We're going to gather young people because that, that's what we mm. think you've called us to do. And then you just do whatever you want. And if that really is the context, then of course, yeah. there's no greater value placed on the person speaking on the main stage 
than the person who's operating the cinema projector. Yeah. You know, everything is, it's yeah. all part of an environment where God is invited to move and be mm. present and tangible uh, in the lives of young people. So I, I think that's brilliant and I think it's absolutely true. Mm. And I, last summer, um, Mike and Andy did their funny little um, their barbecue thing outside in a little kind of TPA. Only about 20 or 25 young people could fit into it. But I just watched Mike cooking a barbecue and, and it reminded me Andy, Mike, Ali, all the team, they are the same here as they are in front of 30,000, yeah, yeah. as they are in front of one person. That, that integrity, which I think is hard fought for, actually. They, they hold yeah. each other accountable and they love each other and they do life together. And I think what overflows, as you say, what spills out in the, in the conference, which is probably why we, we come year after year, because it just feels so safe, actually. It feels yeah. integral, it feels authentic for our young people. And it just makes sense, doesn't it, that what they practice in their everyday life privately mm-hmm. is absolutely what we benefit from when, in the summer. So yeah. uh, I think the shopping's gone away now. Oh, so great. I picked it up I'll, with I'll, Ali. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll back actually, out. Actually, bless her. I didn't realise this, but she just dumped it all on the floor because she just wanted to keep the interview going. Even the, even the <gasps> stuff in the blue bags. I was like, have you put the milk away, please? What about the frozen She's stuff? She's just so brilliant. She was, uh, I, I, I'm hoping that the poor family for a week didn't like have the puddle of ice cream. It's just, just like I just thought I completely into you. But we had a really great chat. We moved on then to talking a bit more around communication because that is her thing. That's her expertise. Mm. That's her heart. And also the challenge of how do we as leaders, with a bit of power, maybe a bit of influence, a bit of possibility, how do we elevate other people's voices and kind of that culture of. Um, feedbacks. <coughs> now the beautiful thing is, in the middle of all of that, your food delivery arrived, which I think is just priceless because I think that's the reality of life, isn't it? Like you're juggling you're all these mom. things, particularly being a working mum. So um, fantastic. So what I'd love to, to hear a bit more from you, Ali, is about your own passion around communication because I think the years that I've been coming to Soul Survivor and, and involved, I've been so blessed and encouraged by um, seeing a woman on the platform, not just speaking, Ali, but speaking brilliantly. You are a fantastic communicator. I know that chatting to you, that's a real passion of yours and you really work on your own communication and Mm. you help others to do that. So talk to us a bit about the journey because I don't suppose you woke up one morning and thought, yes, I'm a communicator. I've just downloaded it and it's all good. So tell us a bit about that. I think... um... Well, I think there's two strands. There's my own communication and then there's how the passion uh, grew in me to really equip other people. And I think really my own communication was probably about um, patience from Mike. So years ago, before I had my uh, family, I used to travel with Mike Pudovarchi, who runs Soul Survivor, mm-hmm. uh, and I used to uh, help him with all of our international Soul Survivor centres. We used to have quite a few. And um, people used to say, oh, you're coming out anyway. Could you do a seminar? And I'd think, well, I don't know. But yes, you know, they were off on really tight budgets. I was there. I might as well. And so I think people took risks with me. And then I got input. You know, people would say, so trusted friends like Mike would say, try this or maybe don't do that. Um, And it was really useful, really, really useful. And I think I, you know, often when you're beginning to learn a new skill, especially something like preaching, you might do it once every now and again well the nature of my job and traveling all the time meant that I was speaking a lot very quickly so I kind of I got to do a lot of it and I found wow then you can really learn you can really put things into practice well then fast forward a couple of years and um 
I stopped traveling. Um, I, I, when I got married, I decided I'd quite like to be in the same country as my husband as much as possible. So I said to Mike, uh, I've loved traveling with you. Is it okay if I'm more at home now? And one of the things that came out of that was he said, um, so Mike travels a lot of the year, about six months. And he was saying, I, I'm finding it hard that I'm not getting to input. You know, if people are speaking, I'm not around to help them and to help prepare them and give them feedback. Was that, is that something you think you could do? And I was like, I'll give it a go. And I didn't realise it was going to unlock this thing in me that was going to become one of the big things for me. So what would happen is someone would speak and I would get together with them the week before and just try and give them some, some guidance around where to begin. How do you, what's your starting point? How are you going to develop that thought? How are you going to read into the, you know, dig into what the Bible actually says? How are you going to structure it so that it makes sense? And then I'd get together with them afterwards and I'd tell them all the things that they did brilliantly and I'd tr try and pick a few things. Actually, probably in those days, I would pick quite a few things. I think I've learned that. <laughs> I would go through everything that wasn't, yes, you know, yeah. this didn't quite work or do you realise that you sniff every other sentence or you play <laughs> with your hair or that didn't really make sense or that message didn't come across. And what I found was that it worked. It really worked. People at any stage of their communication journey, people that were brand new and people that have been doing it for years, but as all of us, they'd been doing it with blind spots, I was able to help them. And I think it's actually a really fulfilling thing to be useful, isn't it? Yes, yes. <laughs> and yeah. I really saw a difference. Well, then one of our team said, you know, you're meeting with us individually. Is there any chance that you could get us together and tell us what we could be learning from each other? So take everything that you've learned in the last few years and put it into one place. So I did that over a series of like six afternoons. I went through the whole thing from start to finish. And at the end of them, one of them said, you need to do something with this. Mm. And that's now what I do. And it is um, one of the most fulfilling things I do. I just spent yesterday morning with one of our staff members um, who's just beginning to teach. And I've been listening to one of their talks. And just the, the joy of being able to stand with someone and say, look, I'm committed to helping you in this. In, and what that means is they don't have to be a natural communicator. I look at the uh, Jesus followers, he didn't pick any of them because they were like, oh my gosh, they've got a natural gift of communication. Mm. Um, and But that's okay. You, you know, you don't start with that. You don't have to start with that, you can. Um, because everybody gets better with input. And one of the things I love about it, you know, I said earlier about Soul Survivor, one of our main values being this thing of relationship. This is one of those places where the rubber hits the road where sometimes if we're not careful, we can give people, particularly younger people, the impression um, almost that we're using them. We might not mean that, but it's like, could you do that youth service? Maybe we see leadership on them. Could you do that? And then we throw them in into a sink or swim scenario where they'll either do great and then they might be asked to speak again, or they'll do badly and they'll never be asked to speak again or somewhere in between. And actually if we really love them when we really love each other we want them to be safe you know you want to give them reasonable risks so the re the risk is you're going to stand on a stage and speak but the reasonable part of that risk is and I'm going to be with you I'm going to help you prepare I'm going to be right there on the front row smiling and nodding at you when you do it and at the end of it I am going to tell you everything that you did brilliantly and I'm going to help you know for you what is your next step and that for me is, I kind of think, well, why would you want to do anything else? You know, yeah, because yeah. that's, then you get that journey. And I found actually, when we do that for one another, 
um, so as a team we do that for each other all the time wow. every talk we do that for each other um then you can only do that where there's trust yes, but then actually yes. trust increases yes. because you know that you're not just saying nice things like, oh great talk this morning yes, you actually want them to say you, what they've got on yeah and I, I suppose I, I i mean this is this is brilliant and on one level it probably feels like a, a kind of a new way of approaching speaking for lots of us because I think okay. I, I've been speaking on and off for a long time as well and sometimes I still fall into the trap of thinking well you either can do this or you can't mm-hmm. and on the days where I do a terrible job mm-hmm. I think oh that's evidence I just can't do this and I remember once sitting in a conversation with you and Andy and Mike I was just listening in and I think the three of you were just really thinking really you were trying to think bring a really godly mindset to a particular illustration that Mike had used and you really the three of you really picked it apart and what was so obvious was it wasn't to kind of say Mike don't do this it was like I know what you were trying to say and actually I think this word would be better and it was so interesting watching the three of you graciously do that together and say we really want the young people to get the point yeah. did this help that or not and I was absolutely flabbergasted because I think yeah. we hear great speakers and we think oh they just automatically can do it but actually behind the mm-hmm. scene there's probably a whole team mm-hmm. who've helped craft that so it sounds like Ali you're saying it's more than just an, a kind of a thing you occasionally do it sounds like a culture that actually yes. you're holding here at Soul Survivor or kind of helping to Help, shape yeah. so on a Sunday we have three services at our church and if Andy Croft, another one of our, you know, he leads Soul Survivor too. He's one of the senior pastors along with Mike at the church. If he speaks, I will, uh, after the Sunday morning service, go through with him. If I speak, he'll do exactly the same. We will make sure that we speak before, we will chat to each other before doing our 4.30 service and then before our 7. Because that what's brilliant is that then the 4.30 are going to get an, a better version of it. Why make the same mistake twice? <laughs> do they you know, know that? Do people come to the 4 o'clock saying, oh, I'm going to get a better sermon? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I mean, out there now. <laughs> maybe, yeah, maybe they yeah. will. And, and often I think you can see it. I can see it if yeah. I'm in more than one service. And I know for me the relief of, oh my gosh, I'm so glad Andy pointed that out to me. That's so much stronger now. Yes. And even I saw Andy yesterday and he was just giving me some feedback again. So even though I'm the one that does it partly under the job title, it is a culture, you're mm-hmm. right. And, mm-hmm. I, and it's a culture. And I've had people over the years come up to me, church leaders, youth leaders, and say, how do you develop that culture where it's kind of okay? Because actually speaking is a vulnerable thing. Mm. And what we'd all love at the end of it is to feel like we've hit a home run mm. and to hear that we've hit a home run. So yes. we're going, oh my goodness, amazing message. And of course the reality is every week can't be like that. Um, and so, yeah, there's how it's a vulnerable thing that we step into. And so people say, how do you develop this culture where it's okay to give feedback? And it's like, well, you need to invite it. Mm. You you need to if you're a leader whatever you're leading set that tone this doesn't just apply to speaking of course mm. but set that set that tone where it's okay to to have people that you trust you know not mm. any old person just walking in and going change this but you know someone that you trust that says i can see how that could be better can i share that with you act and don't just even wait for them actively invite mm-hmm. it i say to people that are particularly in the learning curve of speaking we're, we're, as we've said we're all learning but um when you're in that sort of steep learning curve is always invite in advance somebody 
to give you feedback at the end and how you pick that person is they must be both truthful and kind Mm. if you find someone that is just truthful they might wound you if you find someone that's just kind they'll just fluff over your ego and say well done well done but if you can find someone that's both they don't need to be a fellow preacher teacher they just somebody that that can be truthful and kind and then you will begin to grow in your communication then as you grow in it you will have tools Mm. so if you're approaching if you're giving that young person that opportunity to speak uh, or share in any way be ready uh, at some point probably not on the same day but at some point in that following week to sit down with them and be both truthful and kind now some people might say actually why does it matter that we have to improve our communication Mm -hmm. because if someone's got something they need to say Mm -hmm. and actually we're trusting the spirit to kind of Mm -hmm. land that in people's lives then and particularly we're working with young people who it's going to be raw you know actually by creating a culture of of excellent communication are we in a way Mm -hmm. making a barrier to people so Mm -hmm. what what would be your kind of answer because you guys are all about the spirit kind of invading people's lives and transforming you're not saying that being the great speaker is the magic mark of it but Mm. what what role does good communication play in that would you say great i mean i think so we've got the bible the word of god this is our material we're not like watching whatever soap is on and going oh what life lesson can i learn from that you know we've got the bible and we want people to fall in love with the bible we want people to read it for themselves we want them to kind of that thing that awakens in us if it's gone dormant you hear someone open the bible and it's like it's there the love from god is there the truth the wisdom the sharpening the this is your story god and this is how you've brought me into your story and this is where you're going i get to go to all of that is in the word so when i stand up in front of people i want them to go away loving the bible more feeling a bit more encouraged that they could go and read it for themselves um, so that's one thing for me is that i want to do that justice i will never do it perfectly and thank goodness that God has only ever had imperfect people to work with he's never had anything else you know um, and other than his precious son we are all we're all weak and he uses that but I want to do the best that I can in kind of putting a spotlight on his word that's one thing and I think as well I think funnily enough when you do the journey of um, critiquing, giving feedback, that kind of thing, I hope it makes it more accessible because what you're actually saying, especially when we can expose that behind the scenes stuff a bit, is, you know, I look at Andy on our team and he's just one of the most phenomenal communicators, but he's always learning. Um, And so I think there's that, let's expose that, that he didn't, I heard the first talk he ever gave, it was rubbish it was awful he knows it we all knew it but that wasn't the end of his journey and so and actually there was power there was still power in Mm. him being rough around the edges because you know but I I think for me there's another thing so this is all very light throwing it's brilliant it's great is um I think that when people give me half an hour of their time I want to I want to serve them with that And so I want to not just, so the whole thing that you said about, you know, the the spirit, I'm fully looking for the Holy Spirit to put a spotlight on what I should be speaking about, how I should be speaking about it. I'm often very prayerful around my illustrations because I know that they captivate people. So I'm like, show me Lord how to Mm. bring this home. So of course I'm asking the Holy Spirit to shape that. Um, But I also, 
I also, this is hilarious, by the way. There's me talking about communication, and I think I've done about 17 half sentences. But anyway, <laughs> I think in life generally, we live that, um, the, the, the two-handed balancing out of, um, God, I'm trusting you to be strong in my weakness, and I am also going to be faithful in um, sharpening the gifts that you've given me and in growing in the areas that you've trusted me with. Mm. And I think that's where it comes for me is... Yes, the Holy Spirit's going to inspire it. The Holy Spirit can speak through a donkey, through a completely, you know, untrained, rough yes. image, and he yes, does. But also, let's be family and stand together and say, and I can help you. Yes. I can help you that get to a place where this just comes easier. And yeah. That's phenomenal. Now, I remember last year, because um, so you and I have had many chats, Ali, haven't we, yeah. about being women who are speaking yeah. and raising up more women who are speakers. And, yeah. and I think everything we're going to talk about applies to working with teenage boys as well. And yeah. often teenage boys feel quite silenced in culture and they feel that they maybe can't speak about certain things. So we want to be raising up boys as well. But Definitely. as I'm sat with a female leader, yeah. let, let's just talk a little bit yeah. about girls. Because last year... Um, at the festival, there was a huge number of teenage girls and women who responded to something that, that Mike called mm-hmm. them forward for, particularly around their voices being heard. And I know yes. that that is something for you, Andy and Mike, is just so on your hearts. You really yeah. want every young person to know that whatever God puts in their hearts, they can make a noise about it. Yeah. What would you say are some of the particular barriers you sometimes see that might be specifically for teenage girls? But we can extrapolate yeah. that for boys as well. Yeah. But what, what what is what is it that stops girls sometimes from speaking out what they what they want to say? I think sometimes it's to do with lack of role models. It's um, they've never seen it, so they sit perhaps in a church, um, and they see that the ones with authority often seem to be the ones with the voices are the men, and so weirdly, I think in no not weirdly, I think in life we're often looking for who else has done this ahead of me? It's not a conscious thought, but we're looking, who else has done this ahead of me? Who's a step before? And as women, as young women look around, often sadly, there aren't people in their church, women using their voice, Mm. women sitting comfortably in a calling of leadership, women whose voices are invited by men. I think, and I'm not sure I always understand why, but I think often women seem to uh, need an invitation to speak, mm. um, whereas men, not always. I mean, and I know whenever you talk about this, it's mm. a general generalisation, mm. but the invitation comes from people who are already in leadership, says, I want to hear from you, I want to mm. hear what you've got to say. And it comes from a woman who isn't even always mentoring them, as in sitting down and going through, but just by being there, mm. using their voice, using their gifts, mm. what that communicates is I can do the same, maybe not in the same way. Maybe, you know, maybe maybe their gifts are outworked in a completely different way, but I can follow. Now, one of the things that has been, weirdly, both an encouragement and a discouragement to me, discouragement over the years, has been where young women have come up to me and said, I've seen you on a stage at Soul Survivor and seeing you speak and seeing you lead has had made me realise, it was like they had a penny drop moment. I too could, and it might be, I could be, I could be, I could speak, I could lead. Sometimes the ones that come up to me, they've gone on to ordination. I'm not an ordained minister. But what it was, was that something, it was like a penny dropped in them. Yeah. I didn't do life with them. They just saw me. And um, and I say it's both an encouragement and discouragement because, of course, 
I long that by that as I follow the things that God is giving me, that that would release things in other mm. people. So that's the encouragement. Mm. The discouragement is that they that it would be one woman on one stage in one week yes. of their life. Yes. And in fact, one girl came up to me last year, I guessing around mid twenties, and she said, "You know, I'm now being ordained because of what I saw." But what I saw, so that's encouraging. But then she said, and every year I come to Source 5 and I watch you because you're the only woman that I can watch. Well, if that's not depressing, mm-hmm. I don't know yeah. what is. Yeah. It's like, well, yeah. yeah. It's, so we've got to find a way to model it and we've got to find a way. And I, I mean, it's, not just la- it's not just something we say. It's like if we, all of us, pursue the call that God has given us that unlocks something mm, mm. in other people even if it's not quite the same thing absolutely I don't absolutely. know if that answers your question I think that's so eloquent and I think I think it's it's something that you and I've often talked about about how does this change and and it, it is all of us isn't it in the mm. calling that God's given us yeah. living out courageously even yeah. if it's costing us because actually somebody else looks and goes oh if they can do it I can do it too and it's not that we you know it's like Paul saying follow me as I follow Christ yeah. actually there's no barrier your gender is not a barrier Absolutely. to you being used by God and all that he has for you so that's really important I suppose as well we're also thinking about girls that that are of colour, girls that um, with disabilities, mm-hmm. girls um, you know from all around the UK. That in the sense that that they when they look, they see women like them, girls yeah. like them, and they say, actually, of course, I can be yeah. all that God made me to be, as I you know in in whatever setting yeah. I'm in. So I think that's so so important. So what would you say to? They, there could be some amazing youth workers listening to this who do that, who invite young women to mm-hmm. speak. What about a male youth worker who's thinking, well, well, how how do I do that? I'm a guy, and you know, lots of the people around me in leadership of of no fault of my own are also yeah. guys. Yeah. How do I encourage the girls in my youth group to step in? What what would yeah. that look like? Do you think? Which I think that's so powerful. If there if there are, if there are men out there and you're thinking that, I just I bless you because um, I love that idea that. Mm-hmm. that men don't be passive in this, you know, and I know you're not, but 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 um. So I think for me, one of my greatest encouragers, people that release me into it, would be Mike, my male Mm. boss and friend. Mm. And sometimes we kind of think this idea of mentoring, it's like, oh no, you can't do that across the gender divide because of a... But like, you don't have to... it can be completely appropriate and you can still cheer mm. on. Surely mm. the way that you encourage the young men in your group is completely appropriate and you cheer them on, you know? And so for me, it was about Mike. Um, a few things, actually, that he did is, A, he gave me space. B, he was really sneaky. So when we were travelling together uh, in team and we would go to these places and there would be the behind-the-scenes um, leadership meetings and, of course, he would be in those and he would always take me, so he would never exclude me. And then after a while, he would start saying things like, actually, Ali's going to answer that. I didn't know what he was doing. I didn't know anything about leadership or anything. But what I realised as he gave me space was I know the answer to that. Mm. I, and also, he turned, he paid... He took the attention that was coming to him, yes, and he sent that attention that. to you. I mean, that mm-hmm. is incredible, isn't it? That strategic leadership, that's beautiful. Yeah, I still don't really know how it was. Did he have a strategy? I should ask him. But I think, and he watched, and he noticed. So one of the things about Mike is, and and I think what I, one of our roles as in leadership is to have our eyes open. Lord, who are the people that you're highlighting to me? Who are the people that have got a gift that that need that 
well, I could nurture them, I could help them in that. And then ask him to show you, if you're in that position, mm. then how? And it's not, we sometimes think that it has to be this super deep, intimate, one-on-one. I don't think it has to be that. It's like, I see that. I'm going to trust you with this and I'm going to walk with you as I release Mm, you into mm. that. So I'm not just going to say, hey, go and run the group for the younger girls. And then, you know, but actually I'm going to give you that group. But let me tell you a little bit about how small group dynamics work and and what would your ideas be in that? And let's, oh, that's great. You know, do it in Mm. relationship. Sometimes I think we think we're fearful of that word relationship. But there are other ways, you know, there are other ways. And I think we can cheer on, we can champion, we can walk with, we can see, we can call call out mm. we can do all of those things yeah. even male leaders to female and that what you just said that we need to invite the culture you said that very early on and i mm-hmm. think if there's one thing that we take away from listening to you stay ali it is actually what kind of culture do we want to invite mm. like culture is the one thing that creeps in whether we pay attention to it or not True. so we need to choose the culture that we invite into our youth groups into our communication style yeah. so yeah take asking somebody who could be listening out on behalf of what I'm saying and help me sharpen that who can help me be looking at the young people who God's trusted in our care and if it's schools work if it's kind of detached work the same applies yeah. like actually you want to call young people whether they know Christ or not you want to call Absolutely. them into leadership you want to call them into having their voice heard so Ali you've written on this so people yes. might have thinking I want a bit more Ali Martin in my yeah. life what's what's the title of your book on it's called it's a long title it's called get it across loud and clear uh, and it kind of covers everything from yeah what is your starting point how do you know what you're going to speak on how do you begin to develop that thought and it goes right through to looking at things like why does your body language matter when you're speaking um, what can you do in your delivery the way that you use your voice all of that and I've tried to um, do the book in a style that encourages reflection almost to self-coach in a way where I'm not there how can you as well as inviting feedback how can you be reflective on did that work didn't it work why did I seem to lose people at that point you know why was I bored you know those kind of things so that and I as well as the book I try and regularly you know once a year we do a whole training day on this subject and people could find out about that on the Soul Survivor Survivor website website. so that's give us the website yes that's soulsurvivor.com forward slash uk <laughs> and um, and then yeah, loud and clear is what you're looking for. That's wonderful. I just yeah. love it how so many leaders it's it all falls apart around the website. I'm like, yeah. I don't quite know. Is it dot com dot co? I don't know. That is absolutely brilliant. And um Ali, I don't want to press stop because I'm just <laughs> loving chatting to you about this. But I think people can get hold of you, they can probably download some of your talks, listen to some of your talks, get hold of the book and and think about how are we creating a culture that, that says that every single young person we're working with you know your voice matters what god is saying to you we want you to take the risk and get it out there ali yeah. thank you thank you so is there anything else you want to plug no no not at we've all. got now a full <laughs> fridge of food from your yeah. food delivery so we're gonna we're gonna stop this and gonna go and eat something but thank you so much for your time the youthscape podcast I thought it was a great interview Mm. and I also think Ali Martin is absolutely fantastic Mm. and uh, we had her come and visit a Youthscape retreat uh, a a few months ago and she is a she's an absolutely brilliant communicator she's also stunning at deconstructing other people's Mm. uh, stuff and I'll tell you right now by the way uh, she's given me feedback on my speaking which has been in the doldrums for years Mm. and uh, and actually she uh, has massively improved 
the, the, the meagre offering that I am able to give is better now than it was thanks to, to Ali's input. But what's brilliant is with all, all that she's got going on, she still had time to offer, to, to listen mm. to sermons, to you know, then write detailed feedback, to be honest, to speak the truth in love about my mm. communication. And I just think that's who she is. Mm. As we've said before, she has 100% integrity and that just, you know, she is who she says she is. Um, and uh, I, you know, I think she is uh, absolutely brilliant and part of the reason, a key part of the reason why Soul Survivor is the amazing thing that mm. it is. Mm. And it is, it is so interesting, isn't it? When, you, when you're in the presence of somebody that you think they absolutely do not believe the hype about themselves mm. to the point that I don't think she realises quite how brilliant she is no. or how much we look up to her. And she, a couple of times she talks about that she's quite shocked that, that girls have looked up to her and said, I, I didn't know I could do this, but I look at you. And, and, and when you hear Ali say that, Ali's, one, she's quite heartbroken that these girls have not seen other women in their context do that. And she asks really important questions about why that is. But also, she's still quite bemused that God would use her. And it's incredibly winsome. Mm. Like, um, but, it, but it is interesting. Just, there are people like that you just want to be with because you just feel that like you soak up whatever they have. And I think that's... I was a little bit like, Rachel, you need to leave her home now because if you stay much longer, this is like <laughs> slightly stalking. Because I just, I just love Ali. I just love being around her. But that is an interesting question about whether it is raising up females in our, in our churches or organisations or just any young people who feel that they've been silenced. That's such a challenge of how we get that right. How do we help young people when they do speak out? Give them the kind of feedback that builds them up and doesn't yeah. just leave them yeah, to yeah. their own devices and then they don't do very well and then they'd never try it again. That's Yeah, so, so I think important. we probably, there's lots of stories, probably the stories we like to tell about young people that we've given a bit of coaching to and empowered and given mm. a speaking opportunity to. And, uh, and then it's gone well, and we've been able to celebrate that, and maybe just bask a little bit in the reflective mm. glory of being their youth leader when they mm. did really well. I've mm. certainly done that. Um, but what we don't like to talk about so much is when we create those opportunities for young people. Do you know what? It doesn't go very well. And like is that it, because actually we think we didn't of course, prepare them enough Of course we do, yeah. yeah and, okay. and we picked the wrong young person to speak, and we set them up to fail, and all of mm. those feelings of self-doubt. Um, we're just disappointed that it wasn't, you know, mm. the brilliant thing that we hoped it would be. But what's interesting is what happens in that in that moment. Mm. How do you? What What's the next part of the story? How do you then scoop up the young person who may not know that they didn't do very well, yeah. um, and that it didn't, you know, that it didn't they didn't communicate clearly, yeah. um, or maybe absolutely devastated and swearing off preaching for the rest of their yeah. lives? Because I'm pretty sure that some of the best speakers out there probably really you know the first few times they spoke were, were mm. atrocious well she mentions that about Andy doesn't she the yeah. first time he spoke she, she was like what was that that was yeah. a point but, but that she could see the anointing on him she doesn't use that language but that's essentially what she says yeah, yeah. you spot that someone has something they to say yeah and how do we help them say it well I mean I actually off the end of this interview I said to her oh, Ali I've got some stuff coming up this summer can I pass my talks by you because I think Whatever stage, like whether we do a number of talks or none at all, actually all of mm. us need to kind of sound this stuff out with others and, and open ourselves up to preview and, and the kind of the exit interview afterwards. Yeah, it's so yeah. important. Because yeah. we can only do to young people what we've had ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. And so the important thing is, is that sort of speaking the truth in love yeah. thing, which, which just requires a whole extra level and layer of nuance and care and sensitivity yeah. when we're dealing with young people. But we do want to build them up and we do want to give them more opportunities. The worst, the worst case scenario is we give a young person a, a chance 
it doesn't go very well and we go well never mind let's try something else yeah. you might be good at something else oh, I, I think I think you know we should if we, if we feel like we're going to give young people one opportunity to do something yeah. it can't be their only shot no. like it can't be that so we have to be committed to a bit of a journey with a young person mm. who we think might be a speaker mm. might be a gifted speaker now the interesting thing is that in this interview and with Ali I, I was just talking in terms of kind of sort of offline speaking oh, yeah. like on a platform or <clears throat> in a youth or on a service but of course that's a space that in a way we because we have kind of a power don't we in church leadership settings if you're a youth worker you invite young people into a space so that that's good to sort of ask ourselves questions about that but of course young people are constantly occupying a space where an adult is not saying please come now and yeah. talk and, and a lot of online communication right we want our young people to like kind of feel completely equipped for that so yeah. that online communication whether it's like creating stuff on YouTube or just how they talk about that amazing event they were at in the summer and I suppose I'm just thinking off the top of my head but you we run that um, thing in, in, this, in the holidays don't we share which is yeah. exactly about helping young people own their messaging and make sure it's kind of authentic it's coming from them but I suppose that's that's a good question for us isn't it because there still is within a church based youth work setting there are gatekeepers to platforms yes. and on one level, there needs to be, because if people are going to be listening, then we need to make sure that people who are saying something have thought about what they're saying. Mm. But on the other hand, it's really difficult when the gatekeepers in the churches are actually not allowing people to speak who we think, actually, there should be more women speaking, yeah. or there should be more teenagers speaking, yeah. or there should be more people who just don't look like who's normally on the platform. And yeah. What is our role as youth workers to agitate that a little yeah. bit? That's really tough, isn't it? I think you're right. It's really tricky because I, the last time I got up to speak, I had a little out-of-body experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The last time I got up to speak at church, I a little a little moment where I looked out the congregation and there were. Um, I live in an area where there's a lot of people who work in banking yeah. and uh, you know directors of companies and things like that, and they're all sitting there on a Sunday morning with. I'll be honest, their arms folded, <laughs> you know, looking at me, thinking this is the only context in my life where I have to sit and listen to some bloke talk to me about what he thinks about the world for half an hour. You know, I run a company. I fly all around the world. I command a thousand people. You know, I've got to sit here and listen to this bloke. And I thought, gosh, you know, even it's even more culturally unusual now than it used to be to sit and listen for half an hour to one voice because of the way media's changed mm. and technology's changed and TV has changed. Mm. You know, we don't do that anymore. We don't give our full attention to one voice's opinion. You know, for for half an hour. So preaching itself. Uh, some people would say it's a bit of a relic the kind of model mm. but if we if we are going to keep going with that model then my goodness the responsibility you bear mm. in that in that moment is enormous and so so we do want young people on that platform and we do want a diverse platform but also we need to be preparing those mm. we need to be preparing those communicators even better mm. um, and creating a culture in church where it's okay to fail and it's okay mm. if you go off piste and we you know forgive each other for wasting a yeah. bit of someone's precious time and so on um, but I, but I think it's a it's a tension because I think we should absolutely be agitating for those people to have the platform but I think then therefore if we're going to be those agitators we also have to be the people who invest in mm. communicators absolutely. who are not let's be honest white men who are 40. Yeah. Yeah. And as, as that, I yeah. think I can say that. Yeah. But also, we are who we are. And I, I, I think what's so brilliant about you, Martin, is that you are... Well, I think you and I talk quite a lot about privilege, don't we? And we, we need to all check our privilege, don't we? Mm. We need to all check where 
maybe we are somewhere because of things that we are not because everything to do with us yeah. <laughs> but when we're in those spaces check our privilege mm. say who's not here mm. who needs mm. to be here and for us as youth workers it's probably mostly going to be young people yeah absolutely. and if as a 41 year old 42 year old i'm considered a young leader yeah then there's something gone terribly wrong isn't there no no i don't i don't feel your young leader quota i'm not a young leader anymore so yeah. i think that's really important isn't it that we kind of challenge those brilliant awesome stuff so you can get in touch with soul survivor talk to ali see if you can get some um more wisdom from her she's got a brilliant book she's written she does these training courses but also just ask who are the people just really locally in your vicinity who you trust enough to give you some really helpful feedback oh, yeah, and be willing to and actually, who do you get feedback from you actually you are one of the people <gasps> me um, don't trust me well no i trust you because i have experience of you sometimes even when i've not asked for it you said to me rachel you said this and i don't, and i know you enough to know that if you realised how that came across, you wouldn't say that again. And you've done that a couple of times to me, which makes me think, I don't like coming to you for feedback always, but I absolutely know that you'll give me the honest truth. And I love you for that. And so I come to you. I've got Mike Palin, who I ring. Ah, Mike Palin. Because again, he'll do the same thing for me as well. And I've got a good friend um, at my church called Tabia. She does that for me and also my husband. So I have a few people who yeah. I'm like, I know that they won't do that. Oh, it was great. <laughs> yeah. They'll do that. Okay, I'm glad you came to me because I was going to give you 10 more minutes then I was going to ring you up. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> and that's important. I, I always appreciate the Noel Coward approach what to feedback. So Noel Coward um, was just a genius, he was a peerless genius playwright, yeah. but he'd have to go and see his friend's bad plays and he wouldn't, um, uh, he, he would never know how to give feedback because he knew they didn't want to be offended. He didn't want to patronise okay. them. So he had to find ambiguous phrases which where he didn't lie and say that he liked the awful play oh, no, but but, it, so but they would assume that he was being positive so he'd say things like oh my dear you've done it again oh no. so i i like to do that that's what oh, i like to do no don't please don't do that though because that's that is the worst when you know you've done a terrible job or you and then everybody says oh it was great that is so unhelpful yeah, because right. you you're like, am I, am I, am my instincts really screwed right now? Mm. Um, and I think that's the real challenge, actually, isn't it? To make sure there are people who go, yeah, that was brilliant, that was brilliant. This could be worked on. Then it helps you, doesn't it? Anyway, enough, enough of us and our general dysfunction. Let's do some shout outs. Steve Mitchell, Claire Wallace, Paul Window, and Beth Stout. Hello. You've all won. I feel like they should win something, shouldn't they? They've won a shout out on the Youthscape podcast. <laughs> we think you're fabulous. Oh, please come to our garden party at Lambeth. That'll be awesome. Yes, and please uh, do, if you enjoy the podcast, Give us sponsor feedback. us using the uh, Patreon, Patreon platform, yeah. patreon.com slash youthscape. You get a little. If you're a patron, you get a little um, weekly extra, yeah, don't you? You get you a preview do. of the best bit of the next week's yeah. episode. Thanks to producer Rachel. Uh, we are asking if you would give us a dollar a month. Mm. Uh, and we're not asking you to do anything we wouldn't do ourselves. So uh, please uh, consider doing that if you enjoy the podcast. Or don't. It's free. It always will be. Um, but, you know, that would yeah. encourage us somewhat. Brilliant. And, of course, if you want to give us any feedback, we are open feedback oh yeah give us the feedback give us the feedback we've had some feedback can yes. I next week Ooh. can I do the best piece of feedback we've ever received yes and I don't mean the best piece oh dear but you'll love it because you weren't here Ooh. so we've had a bit of we, we've had we've had feedback on the one episode that, that you here weren't for. here for you're going to enjoy it oh okay so stay tuned for that Ooh.